It's Monday, OG, and you know what that means. Time for our Monday shout out to the men and women in the armed forces who worked all weekend while you and I played. I'm just wondering, one of these times, are you going to be like, good morning, Stagging Benjamins? We should do that. Where have we been? How come we haven't done that yet? I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't. Maybe next time. That was my worst Robin Williams appreciation. That was fantastic. On behalf of Screaming OG and I and the Stacking Benjamins team and the men and women of Navy Federal Credit Union, big shout out to our troops to start off our week. Let's all go stack some Benjamins together. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how do you move forward faster? Maybe it starts with your HR department. Here today to help you put the resource in human resources. Oh, that's smooth. We welcome the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas. Plus, investors are flocking not to crypto or to GameStop, but to municipal bonds? What's that about? We'll share during today's headlines. Later, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to Jess, who's meeting her current financial goals, but now has an opportunity to go in on a lake house with family. What should she consider before moving forward? And I'll get productive with today's trivia. And now, two guys who might finally put some thought into the HR policies I've been proposing. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Pants optional Monday, not going to happen. Doug. Special brownie Saturday. It's so, not a couple of really bad ideas. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Responsible Management for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And happy Monday to you and happy Monday to this fine gentleman sitting across the card table from me, Mr. OG. Uh, we do need to have Doug come down to the, uh, to the HR department. Some paperwork he needs to fill out. And bring a box. There's some disclosures. Or some disclosures that uh, you need to sign. Can we uh, see you and uh, and bring a box? Yes. We got a great show today. Suzanne Lucas, the Able HR lady. People may not know this, but she lives in Switzerland. OG runs this top blog, writes for Inc. Magazine. Of course, you've seen her all over the internets. Now she's coming down to the basement. She is doing a U.S. tour to talk about human resources. And we said, hey, while you're here, can you stop by the basement and uh, maybe tell us? Because a lot of people don't know how to use their human resources well. I've worked with lots of human resource professionals. They're like, people don't take advantage of all the things at their company that are out there. So we're going to give a little love to them today. How about that? I love it. That, the TikTok Minute, municipal bonds, oh my, what a start to the week. Let's do it. Crazy. Let's light this candle. Well, I would, but first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. 
Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Now we can light the candle. Don't light the candle too early. You got to relax when you're lighting the candle, OG. Is that a euphemism? (laughs) Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady, waiting upstairs. So let's get our headline started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. You sound really good today. Oh yeah, I feel great. Don't you love how it all starts with the kids? Like a kid comes home with something and you immediately have a, I remember those days I had a bullseye on. So it was just a matter of time until it reached, uh, reached me. I'm usually pretty impervious to this stuff, but you know, I read because of the fact that, you know, all the normal, all the normal stuff took a took a year off because we didn't go anywhere to do anything with anybody. People are getting like the flu now. It's like summertime, like oh, have the flu, you know, uh, colds and coughs. And Cheryl works in healthcare and works a lot with kids and has uh, come home daily saying that there's this big, huge surge in things that you usually don't see this time of year. Yeah. Cause every, yeah. the Petri dish is finally all back together. Yep. Catching up for lost time. Dance recital two and a half weeks ago. And you got the one kid up there going, <laughs> And you're like, that's great. Make sure you touch everything. Hey, oh, that's my daughter. Could you cough on her, please? If you could do that. Uh, our first headline comes to us from Investment News. Don't want to cough on this headline. Investors flock to municipal bonds for yield and shelter. This piece written by Jeff Benjamin. The $53 billion in assets flowing into tax-exempt municipal bonds so far this year have already exceeded the inflows for all of last year. What's going on there, OG? Why are so many people moving into municipal bonds? I don't know. I don't have any idea why. 
muni bonds are a lot different than regular bonds because it's a municipality, it's a county, it's a state, perhaps. It's it's your lending money to your local government. Who, If your local government's like my local government, and you take a peek at the people running the finances, maybe you, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're just like, nah, I know that dude. And pass. He's on the Parks and Recs Committee, and there's a reason why he's not on the building committee. You know, I don't need to give him any of my money. So you're giving money to a city project. You're giving money to to these public works things. You get a tax break. People doing it more for the tax break this year? It might be a little bit of that. It might be a little bit of the scared about what might be coming down from the tax situation. But it's probably just more about the yield. You know, and you got to think about it this way. If the risk-free rate, which is the, the number that economists use and that, that finance people use, U.S. Treasuries, right? That's they're guaranteed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. So we use that as this is the no-risk return uh, number. So treasuries are really low. People get frustrated with that, just like we talk about with savings accounts. So we go, oh, goodness, I can't have my money in my savings account. It's only paying 0.4. So I got to go find this esoteric way to do it and get 0.8 or something. And you go, well, for every unit of additional return, there has to be something else. There has to be some other sort of trade-off that you're that you're willing to take. And maybe you're doing it overtly and you know what you're what you're taking and maybe you're not. So what happens is people who have fixed income and rely on fixed income, uh, dividends, which is, you know, or interest, which is why you shouldn't do this, but you go searching for higher yields. And so you stretch into things that you go, well, this thing's paying 6%. My thing's paying one. I'll just go get the six. And that sounds great, except for the fact that you got to know what you're trading away. You know, now, now instead of being full faith and credit of the United States government, it's, you know, Alameda County and their ability to raise taxes. But this is exactly why this piece actually later on, OG says that this boom is happening is actually because of the fact that the Fed has stepped in to buy muni bonds. This is uh, a gentleman named Paul Winter, founder of Four Seasons Financial Planning, says the higher the tax rates that investors experience, the greater the appeal of the tax-free municipal bond interest income. Uh, during the COVID crisis, the Fed stepped in to buy muni bonds, and he says, I'm sure this is viewed by some as an implicit backstop on yield spreads between munis and treasury. So because the Fed is behind a buying boom, they're going, hey, there's not as much risk in munis as there may usually be. And this is a better yield than a treasury, the federal government. And I get this kind of implicit uh, sign off on well, it. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about the stock market. The U.S. Treasury bought a whole bunch of the Federal Reserve, bought a whole bunch of stocks during the recession slash COVID times and stuff like that too. Are we saying that Apple's a great buy because... It's on the Fed balance sheet now. Because of COVID money? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that they've been doing. They're just throwing money all over the place. Netflix, really? Is yeah, the, I mean. It's a big COVID buy. I don't think that any large organization, you know, you say like LA County or Houston or whatever, I, I mean, the likelihood of the them going under is pretty remote because they've got the ability to, you know, raise taxes and that sort of thing. But still... You have to understand what you're getting yourself into along the well, way. Well, that's what I wanted to dive into is there's something that they teach in financial planning classes, which are things that 
financial planners. I remember early on teaching my clients not to do this thing, which is called chasing yield, right? Uh, Kevin Rose even talked about it last week, chasing yield. Whenever you find yourself chasing yield, you generally end up in a bad spot, don't you? Well, I, I think you just have to flip it around to kind of understand how it works. Let's take a super good credit risk, Joe Salci High, and a super not good credit risk. Uh, I don't know. Let's just, uh, well, we'll just take this mythical person, call her my sister. So let's say that Joe comes to me, the bank, and says, hey, I have this job. I have this spouse who makes money. I have these assets in this you know, balance sheet. I would like to borrow $100,000. And the banker does what? Banker looks through Joe's credit history and payment history and income and tax returns and you know, so on and so forth, and then assigns, assigns a rate of risk, i.e. the interest rate, to that loan and to that term and says, well, Joe's good credit risk. We'll lend him $100,000 for 5%. And we think that's a pretty good deal. Joe thinks that's a pretty good deal, so you take the loan. And then this other other mythical person shows up, and they do the same thing. And they go, <laughs> you want what? Sure, no problem. Here's your money. We'll give you 50000 out of 100 And oh, by the way, it's going to be 30%. And why is that? Why, why do you have a different interest rate than another person? It's because there's different risks associated with the bank. And so when you flip that bank, around... Bank doesn't love your sister. Maybe not. But uh, actually, maybe they do. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, yeah, at 30%, Some, they do a lot, yeah. But if you flip that around, if you're the investor and you're saying you have to lend the money, I'm the bank now, and you're trying to figure out where you're going to put your money, and you go, well, I've got this thing that's going to give me 5%, and I got this thing that's going to give me 30 Why is that thing giving me 30 It's not because they're the same. They're completely different. And I think there's another thing with muni bonds that we have to be aware of too. There's two different types of muni bonds. One is municipality wants money and they're just saying, hey, we need it for who knows what, but we can tax people to get the, to get the money back. That's a revenue bond, right? And then they have bonds for specific projects. Let's say like in our area, they built a big football field stadium deal and they did a bond project for that specific thing. And so they borrowed money for that. And, and, and so it's a different type of deal. But um, uh, I think that also matters. Like what you're looking at, what, what are the terms associated with that, with that loan? That's with a specific what project. Yeah. Yeah. They're not bad. Muni bonds are great. If you have high income and you've got money lying around and you need, uh, and you need some tax-free income, it's awesome. Just understand it's not the same thing. It's a different product altogether. And for the love of God, don't put your muni bonds in your IRA. You know what's happening. Don't put your muni bonds in your IRA. You know what's happening. You know somebody's doing it. What you should really do is you should put it inside your annuity IRA. <laughs> then you get double, triple tax deferral tax-free. Why don't you? We're laughing about this. People are like, I don't understand. Why don't I put my muni bond inside my IRA? It's already tax-free. The income's already tax-free. You don't need the protection of the umbrella of the IRA or the Roth. So there you go. Don't, don't put your mini bonds inside your There it is. And a great strategy there, two stackers, is if you have two investments that by all other measures are equal, and that's never going to happen. But if they are by all other measures equal, put the one that is less tax-efficient in your IRA and the one that's more tax-efficient outside your IRA. You'll save a few bucks. You're welcome. 
There it is. Hashtag blessed. Instead of municipal bonds, if people truly want safety here, where do we where do we go? Fixed indexed annuities. Nice. <laughs> didn't see that one coming. I did not see that one coming. I didn't see the big commission attached to that. No, I don't. I don't know that they're they're, they're not good or bad. And that's what we talk about all the time. There's no bad products. They're just bad applications of those tools in your portfolio. So. If you think that your third tier of cash reserve, you should have some money in in and some munis because you get some tax free income, and you're in a high tax bracket, and so on and so forth. Then okay, that's fine. That's what that's for. If you're like, I am tired of getting point four in my savings account, so I'm gonna go put it in Alameda County Parks and Rec bonds. I don't know that I would do that. A little risky. Yeah, I think the idea of beginning with your goals and starting there instead of chasing feels like there's a little chasing going on uh, here. Hey, it's time for the TikTok Minute OG, time when we shine a light on a TikTok creator. And uh, last week we had uh, one that brilliantly, well, we thought it was brilliant the way that she described an NFT. Uh, Kevin Rose, who knows a hell of a lot more about NFTs than we do, he did a great job of explaining it for us. And I think that was a nice setup. So if you want to learn about NFTs. But today, let's talk about the uh, that house you're trying to buy. Uh, this is from Stacker. Johnny sent this to me. Thanks, by the way, for this, Johnny. And this is a TikToker named Tim. And we'd love to buy, but saving up a $100,000 down payment, that's just not feasible for us right now. Oh, I know $100,000 sounds like a lot, but with just a few changes to your daily habits, you can save that in no time. I mean, how much do you spend on coffee each day? Oh, I don't know, $2.50? $2.50 every day? Let's say you give up that ridiculous habit instead put that money towards your down payment. How many coffees would you have to give up before you saved your $100,000? Um, uh, 40,000. 40, I'd have to give up 40,000 coffees. 40,000 40, coffees? Well, um, well, that's that's not that's nothing. How many years would that take you? 40,000 coffees, that's 109 years at a coffee a day. 109 years? Oh my god, that is totally unreasonable. Hey, Carl, it would take 109 years if you just gave up coffee to save for a down payment. I know, that's what I was thinking. Sir, you're probably gonna rent forever. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's what I was trying to say earlier. 109 years? I am a terrible <laughs> financial advisor. You know, I think the coffee thing might be a little overplayed. Yeah, the latte factor. Yeah, I think that uh, there are some people missing David Bach's uh, real message there. David Bach, by the way, the gentleman who is kind of responsible for bringing that up, and we, we asked him about it, we quizzed him about it. He said that the point isn't the coffee. The point is, oh, gee, that you can make little changes every day and capture that with automatic transactions in your bank account so the money's hidden from you, and it'll yeah. have a big effect. Yeah, I mean, it's, it could be coffee, it could be subscriptions, it could be you know, cheaper car insurance. It could be, you know, shopping at a more uh, affordable grocery store. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways to, 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 to walking, you know, the mile to get your coffee instead of driving, you know, it's probably save more money now. So, yeah. well, How about if you walk a mile to make your own coffee? That would be a little awkward. Could you imagine like backpacking in your like AeroPress into Starbucks? <laughs> Setting it up on the counter there next to the creamer. You got a little grinder. <laughs> the guys are looking at you like, what's up? 
You got a separate line. You're like, hey, Stella, good to see you again. You get like the Starbucks line and then you start selling your own coffee at Starbucks. Like that's the hack. That's the hack. Bring your own there it is. side hustle. Sell your coffee at Starbucks and, and, and you're going to make it. You know, we joke about that, but we talk about the little things. And certainly I think there definitely is a gem there. But let's be realistic, OG. What's the fastest way to get to bajillionaire status? The fastest way, um, save as much as you can, as fast as you can, as early as you can. I don't know. Well, which to me means make more money. Oh yeah. Make more money. I think, I think make more money is the key. I think we're so busy looking at $2 and 50 cent solutions. We forget the big one right in front of us. Make more money, continue to spend the same or less. A lot of people rolled their eyes and you said, just go make more money. Just go, just go make more money. Studies show we don't ask the boss for a raise and the boss wants to give us one. We interview people all the time that decide to embark on that, on that uh, side venture, that side gig that pulls in some extra money. You and I were talking about a guy that today who started a website as kind of a pastime at first and uh, became a big thing, makes how much per month? 5,500 bucks? Yeah. 5,500 bucks on a side project. Not that bad. Go make more money and control your expenses. Don't go spend it all. That's the key. That's the That's the key. Yeah, it's not a magic formula. And I get it. It's not as easy as wave a magic wand and you have more money, you make more money. You got to go work for it. But man, but, but think about 100 years worth of work saving $2.50 on your coffee. Yep. I'll take, uh, I'll take option B. Thanks to that, Johnny. Uh, if you've got a TikTok video you love and you want to send our way, send it to me, Joe at Stacking Benjamin's. Dot com, And also for those of you not getting our guide, you may not know that during our headline today and also the TikTok video, our friend Brooke, who helps us put together our guide and I, we put together a list of resources to help you get more out of it. So resources on what municipal bonds are, how that works, and then also more about the latte factor and uh, David Bach talking about the latte factor on uh, this show. But enough about that, OG. Time for you and I to get more coffee because you, you can see behind me, he's ready to go. At least he's breathing on your neck today and not mine. As creepy as ever. All right, Doug. Hey there, stackers. I'm your best friend, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I'm glad to see Joe about to talk with the evil HR lady about leveraging your HR because, would you believe it, we don't even have HR here in the basement. We just had a new employee start, Brooke, and of course, as soon as she started, she came to me because obviously I'm the expert on how this place operates, and by Brooke came over to me, I mean, I saw her and started spilling the beans, but you know, it's the same difference. But you know me, stackers, I mean, I'm always two steps ahead. So in the interest of HR, I've been cooking up some pretty sweet policies, which I'll share after today's trivia. The evil HR lady will appreciate today's question, though. Here it is. What day is regarded by HR managers as the most productive day for workers during the week? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can file an HR complaint. Well, did you know, stackers, that with a more rewards credit card from Navy Federal Credit Union, you can earn three times the points at supermarkets, on food delivery and gas, plus one point on everything else. If you pay your bills and your credit card off every month, not just a minimum payment, but pay it off in every month, why not? 
play the credit card reward game and make some money. Don't fall into that trap if you don't, because you got to pay it off every month first. Get it down and then get a great card like the More Rewards credit card, because rewards don't expire when your account's open. You can redeem them for cash, travel, gift cards, and more. Plus, the More Rewards card is contactless, and you'll make payments quickly and securely with just a tap of your card. Speaking of rewards, you can get a Navy Federal Auto Loan and reward yourself with that ride to work that you need. Timing, maybe not the best, but when you need a car, you need it. And Navy Federal is there for you. Applying is super easy. You can do it on the mobile app, online, or by phone, and it's super fast. You can get a decision in seconds. Right now, by the way, rates are as low as 1.79% APR. Plus, with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar, you will get a much better deal. I've used this service a ton and uh, and by a ton, I mean my last two cars, and I have saved not hundreds of dollars stackers, but thousands of dollars. I did it once with a used car. I did it once with a new car. It is amazing. You can shop, compare, and save on your next car. So whether it's your first car or your dream car, Navy Federal can help you cruise into that ride that you can afford it. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Sure, by NCUA, open to the armed forces, DOD, veterans, and their families like me. American Express is a registered service mark of American Express used by Navy Federal under license. Credit and collateral subject to approval, rates subject to change, and are based on creditworthiness, rate available for new vehicles. Message and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information and to apply. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Hey there, stackers. It's me, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. So I mentioned earlier that we have no HR department here in the basement. Well, here's some policies that I've come up with that'll really help to up our professionalism down here. Okay, here we go. We don't pay overtime, but we definitely pay undertime. And you don't want to know how much less you'll make, so I'd suggest you work a minimum of 50 hours a week, just to be safe. And as a perk, 
all year-end reviews will be conducted by yours truly over some coconut shrimp appetizers at the Sizzler. Mmm, I love me some shrimp. On the employee dime, of course. Not mine. Well, these policies will take us to the next level, don't you think? I'm glad we both love them. Before I go pitch them to Joe, let's get to today's trivia. The question was, what day is regarded as the most productive day for workers during the week? It's no surprise that Thursday and Friday are tied for the worst days of the week, according to a poll of HR professionals. And coming in as the most productive day, it's Tuesday. Well, stackers at SB Industries, I need you to work like every day is Tuesday. Let's go get this interview with Suzanne Lucas. See ya! talked earlier about making more money a lot of us have money slipping through the cracks that we have no idea slipping through the cracks when i've met with hr managers in the past they've told me that lots of companies og have benefits that people don't take advantage of and it's right in front of you people come to you and ask you for the secret maybe maybe there's a secret there it is quite surprising in reviewing you know like hr guides and stuff like that from companies and especially bigger companies there's so many different resources there uh, from easy things like gym memberships, but to more complicated things like counseling sessions and uh, helping with adoptions and just all sorts of things that are available. If you, you know, you get that big PDF, but you know, read through that, figure out what's available. Yes. Yeah, so many opportunities today. We're going to dive into some of those. The evil HR lady, Suzanne Lucas has been doing this for a long time. Her award-winning blog, the evil HR lady, is not only incredibly funny, but very useful. And I read it just to see what bizarre question she's going to answer. Everything from people who uh, decide not to shower before they come to work. That was a good one. Uh, to what we're going to talk about today. How do we flex those flex benefits? Let's say hello to Suzanne Lucas. And getting ready to do her U.S. tour with a stop in Texarkana, of course, coming down to the basement. The Evil HR ladies here, Suzanne Lucas. How are you? I am so excited to be back in the basement. I'm I needed a little dose of darkness and <laughs> mold. Right. I could see you looking around, Suzanne, and I know as an HR person, it's going to be your job to say, you know, these conditions might not be, but keep it to yourself, okay? Just keep it to yourself. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what the OSHA regulations are for lack of lighting, but, you know, I can look it up. <laughs> well, before we get lost in that, because I do not want to go down that rabbit hole. First of all, nobody nobody uses the pros in their company, the HR people that really, I mean, what does an HR person do, Suzanne? You set up the benefits, you make sure they're working right. You tell me all the different things HR people do. Well, I mean, that could be a, a three hour long episode. Um, what people see us do is hiring benefits and firing. What we do do is so much bigger than that. And there are things that can help your career. I mean, depending on the company, some companies will offer you the opportunity to sit down with someone and map out a career. Some What's that like a career? Is that like a career specialist, a career trainer? 
It would be like an employee relations person. And, and I mean, they're not going to map out your career outside the company. Sure. Like this is where you need to go within the company. And these are the skills that you're lacking and they can help you arrange training and education to get you there. And sometimes, especially in bigger companies, that stuff is offered in house. You just need to know about it. And a lot of times it's your manager that tells you about it. But if your manager doesn't know about it, you're not going to find out about it. It's important to find out those type of things. And then there are some things like the employee assistance program, which almost all companies have if they have insurance, that if you are struggling in any area of your life or if you're buying a house and you want a real estate attorney or you're getting divorced and you need a referral to a divorce attorney or you need financial planning, um, you need a therapist, your employee assistance program can set that up for you. And they actually, HR can refer you to it. Anybody can call, but you know, they'll let you know this exists. But what you tell the employee assistance program is absolutely confidential. The HR people will never find out it was you that called. Um, your boss will never find out. So if you're feeling suicidal and you want to call the employee assistance program, no one in the company is going to know that you called or what you asked for when you called. This is always like a third party company, like a uh, we interviewed the people from Jelly Vision last fall. So it would be a third party like that. Yeah, it's third party. It's gotcha. Third party. I want to give you some statistics uh, that won't surprise you, but I think will surprise a lot of our audience. These come from a company called Salvo. Worldwide, only 13% of employees are engaged in their line of work. 13% of employees engaged. Does that surprise you? Worldwide, no, it does not surprise me at all. Um, because let's be honest, work is work. Um, and in the United States, we tend to have more of an idea of work should be fulfilling. So if we're going to talk worldwide, though, in a lot of countries, nobody's looking for fulfilling. They're looking just for food on the table. But I know plenty of people in the United States working, and so do you, that are unfulfilled at work, too. What oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. There are. And here's another secret. Work doesn't have to be super fulfilling. <laughs> you know, when we talk about work-life balance, it's that life part afterwards. I mean, it's great if your work can be fulfilling, but it's fine too if it's not, if it's meeting your needs. But how do you then get productivity high with people that are unfulfilled, do you then have your HR people and your management team work on all the benefits of getting it done quickly so you can do other things or maybe giving people support outside a business? Like how do you facilitate keeping morale high if it's an unfulfilling job? You know, it really is going to depend on the job, but the most important thing is the manager and the manager's relationship. And it's one of those things that, this could be like, I, I don't know, like let's, let's assume you're a kindergarten teacher and you get all these adorable five-year-olds that are, you know, blowing snot all over you. I could never be a kindergarten teacher, but let's theorize that this is a super fulfilling job. You know, you teach kids how to read and they say, I love you. And it's just wonderful. Everything about it is wonderful. Theoretically, <laughs> never do it. But if your boss is a complete jerk, that job is not going to be fulfilling. It's going to be stressful. You know, if your principal is always, you know, walking in checking on you and saying, you know, hey, you suck, you know, you said that wrong to that adorable child, you're going to become stressed out no matter what 
the job is, right? It's not going to be good. On the other hand, going back in the day when I used to work at Burger King, I loved that job because the people I worked with were so awesome. But there's nothing awesome about taking orders, making food, cleaning the dining room. There, you know, nobody's like, ooh, this is fulfilling. But it was the coworkers that made the difference and the the bosses that made the difference. So if you can work with your managers to make them better managers, it can make boring work or tedious work or downright icky work still be a good, fulfilling job. Where does the HR function fit into that? Is it HR's job to kind of report the mood of the workplace or to recommend that um, manager X maybe get some more training? Like, tell me how HR makes that better. HR, well, it's going to depend on the company, but what HR should be doing, first of all, they should be looking at employee engagement. They should be asking employees, you know, if you're happy, what can we do better? But here's the problem with asking that. A lot of times, HR departments will run these surveys and people will answer. And then the CEO, the senior leadership team is like, no, we don't want to make any changes. So the, the first rule of asking an employee engagement survey is don't ask if you're not willing to make changes. If you find out that something is going on, you need to offer that coaching. You know, there's things that are illegal and things that are not. So if you come to me as your HR person and say, hey, my boss is sexually harassing me, by law, I now have to investigate that one way or another, whether it's happening, whether you're making it up, whether how extreme it is, you know, all that, because that's illegal. If you come up to me and say, hey, my boss is a micromanaging nitwit. There's nothing that's illegal about that. So legally, I don't have to investigate that. I don't have to talk to the boss. I can say to you, suck it up, buttercup, or find a new job. A good HR department will say, let's talk about this and investigate and do the same thing that they would do for something that was illegal because this is a really destructive thing to have and then work with the manager to fix those problems. And one of the things that uh, companies really are terrible at is giving managers training. A lot of times the promotion to managers because you're good at doing and, but doing is different than managing. And so HR should really be there giving that training for the managing part of things. And like I said, a lot of managers don't know what's out there and available for them. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you're right. People get promoted to this point that they don't know what they're doing. And it's a new leading people. I'm even learning from this coach that I have now, Suzanne, that leading people is a whole different skill set than managing people, right? Yeah, they, they are completely different skill sets. And a lot of companies are just like, okay, yeah, good. You're the boss. We talked to Get your performance appraisals in. <laughs> right, right. We talked to Ashley Goodall, who with a, a, a gentleman named Marcus Buckingham, the two of them wrote this piece for the Harvard Business Review and then turned it into a book. And Ashley, when he was on the show, echoed exactly what you're saying, which is that forget about all this money companies are spending on telling the outside world that they have a great culture. Culture is the people that you have lunch with every day. If that boss and those coworkers suck, your culture is going to be horrible while culture at the next table is phenomenal. It sounds like that's kind of exactly where you're at. 
It absolutely is the case because it's who you deal with. I mean, there can be an overarching company culture for sure that comes down from from the top. But within each department and the bigger the bigger the company is, the more your individual department depends on this. And company messaging doesn't matter. There was a study that just came out that I just find fascinating is that tech companies that sponsored Black Lives Matter and put it on their websites and gave money to the organization were 20% less likely to have Black employees. So they have had 20% fewer Black employees than tech companies that didn't say anything. Really? Yes, really. I can send it to you. It's crazy pants. This is what we talk about when we have cultural disconnect. So somebody in the... In, you know, the public relations department sat down with the CEO and said, this is good for our image. We're going to put this up. But then it didn't change the company culture at all. It didn't influence hiring. It didn't influence retention. It was putting a phrase on a website and, you know, writing a check. So putting a Band-Aid on it. Putting a Band-Aid on it and saying, pat us on the back. Look at us. Look how great we are. But they didn't make any changes. And so you have a lot of companies, you know, you, you see this all the time on job postings, you know, flexible, family friendly, blah, blah, blah. And it's not the case at all. Um, and a lot of that, of course, depends upon your particular manager as well, because you can have a company where, you know, the marketing department has a great culture. And they are flexible and they do do this. And then the finance department is run with an iron fist. And, you know, if you're 30 seconds late, you get written up and, and, you know, just, it can be a complete opposite thing, even though technically it's the same company. Another facet of this discussion that is in this LinkedIn study that we'll link to, by the way, if you get our show guide, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker, you are, have maybe already seen this, but an industry-wide study of over 2,500 people found that 55% of workers would take less pay to have more fun at work. So when you talk about the iron fist, right? You know, though, Suzanne, that manager's going, if I don't use an iron fist, well, then stuff's not going to happen. People are going to walk all over me. This is going to be hell. How, how do you change that? I don't know if it's that mindset or does that mindset need to be changed? You know, there are people that absolutely, you know, wouldn't put their shoes on the mor- in the morning if someone didn't tell them to. Those people exist. You don't want to hire them. Um, if you have employees that cannot function without that iron fist, the problem is you in your hiring. Are you paying too little money? Um are your benefits crappy? Is that why you can't get good quality people to work for you? Uh, I want to end on this question because it sure seems to me that there's a correlation here. On the last Wednesday's podcast, OG and I took a question from somebody about being a landlord. And we talked about how you can solve a lot of problems as a landlord by getting the right tenant, right? By looking at those flags, You seem to be saying the same thing about employees, Suzanne, that a lot of the problems that companies experience can make or break things if you do better hiring. This is so true. It is so true. 
I'm working with a client right now on reducing their turnover rate and the job, the, the company is warehouse and warehouse work is hard. Let's be honest. It's one of those jobs where it's not super fulfilling. It's hard physical labor. And so we've been talking about, well, in your recruiting, how are you doing this? And so they're giving tours to the candidates and having them walk up and down the length of the warehouse and and see exactly what's going on. And it's reducing the number of people that want the job, but it's increasing the retention otherwise, because instead of just trying to say, okay, this is fabulous. It's not hard to just pick up boxes and put it in the truck, pick up boxes in the truck, easy peasy, right? Anybody can do it. You can sell it that way, or you can say, you know, look, you will be putting this many steps a day and you will be lifting this and you will be having to look out for the forklifts and we're going to walk around here and this is the clothes you have to wear and you have to wear the steel-toed boots and you have, you know, so they really have a concept of what they're getting into. So it increases that retention when you're honest about the job and then also working on training the managers to be better managers. And so, you know, she's working on making sure that her managers are getting trained and making sure that in the hiring process, they're more honest about what's going on so that they get the right people in the door in the first place. And, and one of those things is salary. I'm sorry for managers and company owners that are like, I want to pay bottom dollar. Sure, you can pay bottom dollar, but you're going to get bottom employees if you do that. There's a, there's a study, but part of the study though says that a bunch of people, well, we talked about this earlier, that people would take less money if the job were more fun. True to a certain extent? I think that is something that people say, but they don't really mean. If I come in for a job interview to work for Stacking Benjamins and you say, it's going to be a 25% pay cut for you, Suzanne, but I promise we'll be fun. <laughs> Am I going to take that job? No, I'm not. I'm not. Even though I know it would be fun. I'm so I'm disappointed. I'm so, so. Were, were so, you going to so, offer me a job at the so end of this? That, that, that's the way most of our interviews end. We, we offer every person we interview a job. Please come <laughs> take over the podcast. Please. <laughs> if, if somebody can I'm do this there, besides I'm me. There. I, I lied. I would absolutely. <laughs> but I rule with an iron fist. <laughs> Which could be a problem here because mom you already tell a joke right now. <laughs> mom already has the iron fist, as you know, so she's already got us uh, in line. You are embarking after you leave the basement on this uh, tour. Uh, tell me who you're speaking to and where you're going, because this is pretty exciting. So, yes, I'm super excited. I, along with Brenda Neckbottle, who is Brenda the HR lady, and she just launched a um, best-selling book on on HR of how to crawl your way from nobody to VP in HR. It's a great book. She and I are hitting three cities in July. On July 19th, we'll be in Baltimore, Maryland. And then on July 21st, we'll be in Dallas, Texas. And then on July 22nd, we are ending in Provo, Utah. And we are are talking about how to be intentional in your career, and it's specifically targeted towards HR managers, but really any manager 
um, or anybody that wants to be a manager would be great for this, um, how to be intentional and then how to communicate so people listen the first time. And this this is really, really, really important when you're trying to communicate with leadership or with your employees, either way is how to speak so people listen the first time. And then we're wrapping it up with an active shooter training, which is a horrible thing that you need, but you need it. Yeah, And that's it can really be helpful. So sad that you need it, but you definitely do. And definitely uh, do. I can't say enough about getting training yourself. I feel like a lot of people, an offshoot, Suzanne, of this conversation is I feel like there's a lot of people out there that go, well, you know what? My boss didn't train me, so I wasn't good at that. Or my company didn't have a training program, so I'm not good at that. Why the hell are you waiting for your boss or your company? I mean, nobody wants to get out of bed and say, I'm going to suck today at work. Like create your own training. And then if your boss adds on, fantastic. If your boss doesn't add on, you can still succeed. But not just that. I'm also thinking that maybe if you tell your boss about the training, your boss, I would imagine may, may be excited that you're coming and may want to pay for it. This is so true. And this is one of those things that you can ask when we talked about earlier about things that HR departments can do for you. This is something that they often have a training budget for things like this. Um, so it's worth talking to. And you're right. Nobody cares about your career like you care about your career. So if you see a gap or if you see a place where you want to grow, by golly, go out and find the training. And of course, I'm going to say everybody needs management training, whether you're a manager now or not. It's about communicating with other people is really what we're looking at in leadership. Um, so please come. But if you decide that you need any kind of training, I'm not really good at Excel. I need Excel training. You know, oh, I, I need project management training. All of this stuff is out there. Um, a lot of times your HR department can help you find it either internally or externally. And a lot of times they have a budget for it. Yeah. You just have to ask. Um, well, well, and, I, well, and I'll it. tell you, this is somebody that has a team of six people, part-time people. But if anybody on our team and our whole team listens to this as I say it, and I'm sure they'll nod their head. If any member of my team ever comes to me and goes, Joe, I think I really want this training. Why would I say no? Like why that really? Oh, you want to be better at your job? Screw you. I do not want you to have that training. Like I would. Exactly. I, I am all about that, man. Let's go. I think that's an excellent attitude. Yeah. Maybe I will come work for you with that 25% pay cut. <laughs> I, where, where, do, where do people sign up? Where do they find out more? So they can come to my website, evilhrlady.org, um, or you can just Google Evil HR Lady. I will pop up. The registration information for the conference is at the top of my webpage, um, and we would love to see you. So evilhrlady.org. Awesome. And you know what? We'll have a link. There's, of course, a link in the guide if you get that. If you don't, we have a link in the show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Suzanne, great talking to you again. Glad you're in the U.S. for a couple months. Congratulations on more good stuff. It's all that free refills of root beer. That's why I come. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the American way. <laughs> Hi, I'm Derek. And when I'm not working on the hook for Joe's mom's next greatest rap album, I'm stacking Benjamins, baby. Big thanks to Suzanne for coming down to the basement. By the way, we talked with Suzanne for much longer. And we had a great discussion. If you want to hear the whole unedited version of that, head over to our YouTube page, go to youtube.com, put in stacking Benjamins and you'll find uh, that whole thing. But OG, oh, I'm with Suzanne. 
There's a lot of magic in that PDF, like you were saying before the interview. There's lots of stuff. How come we don't have better benefits down here in the basement? Well, I'm with I Doug. have amazing benefits. So I have talked to HR and I have decided and HR decided with me that I should get a lot of benefits. And 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 our real HR director is? Well, it's me. But that's why I said we discussed it. We had a unanimous vote. It was close. It was closer than you think. But um, it only passed by one vote, believe it or not. But, um, but yeah, we decided that uh, as the rock of the show, in many ways, both in physical appearance, just like the rock, but also, you know, a more sturdy, you know, using that analogy, like the cornerstone of the show. Uh, I don't want to say entitled to have more, but um, that, that word did come up in the meetings. It is getting mighty. You, you brought it up, mighty deep. Yeah. By the way, your shirt, dad, dad flying, dad pilot. Got to represent, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's a weird flex, huh? Daddy, <laughs> I'm just trying to do it, trying to figure out uh, what that's all about. It was a Father's Day gift a year ago. Thank you very much. And it's just it's just a shirt that says "Dad" on it. That is that has a, yeah. you know it's just screen printed and then it has a little uh, airplane through it. I don't know if that's as cool as mine. I can't read it. It's it's a Slytherin T-shirt. I don't know what Slytherin is. Oh, you never read Harry Potter? No Harry Potter. All right, we're off that topic. Let's help a stacker do better with their money. OG, today's uh, Cullen segment brought to you by the Stacker. We mentioned it earlier. We publish a guide to our Monday and Wednesday shows. You can get the guide, which our friend Brooke and I put together. It is a fantastic resource for you every Sunday night and Tuesday before the show comes out. We don't tell you everything about the show. What we do is kind of introduce you to the concepts ahead of time. We give you additional resources, more that you can dig into. So while our show notes are fantastic, the guide is even better. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Also, uh, for no additional charge, you will get my money lessons currently at 19. You'll get those once a week for the first 19 weeks. And as we add them, which is, uh, you know, at this point, semi-annually, <laughs> which may or may not be a joke. I like depending on I like it. <laughs> depending on when, when you listen to this, uh, we are adding lessons. Our goal is to get to 52 money lessons as well. So you'll get not only the guide, but you'll also get a money lesson a week. And as our book tour and our live show tour ramps up in the beginning of 2022, you can know where to find OG, Doug, and I, and the gang, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. All right. Uh, today, we're going to help Jess stack more Benjamins. Say hi, Jess. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Jess. I'm not anonymous because let's face it, I probably don't know the only other listener to your podcast. My husband and I are 38 and 35 with two young children. We both have jobs that are in high demand and we live below our means. We use a financial advisor, have set goals and continue to meet them and our only debt is our home. So here's the dealio. We have some additional money we could spend without affecting our planned goals and have recently come across the opportunity to purchase a lake house with other family members. This would be split three to four ways between my husband and I, my in-laws, my husband's aunt and uncle and possibly their son and daughter-in-law. What are the potential downsides I need to consider? Is it possible to have different loans for the total purchase price of the house? If not, would it be possible to set up payments where each family would pay their own portion separately to the lender? 
What would happen if one of the families were no longer able to pay their portion? For lack of better terms, would the rest of us be SOL? If you were in the situation, how would you split electricity, gas, and water bills? We like the idea because splitting weekends, the costs, and responsibilities of maintaining the home seems like a win-win all around. Well, got to run because I'm eating Doug at the Sizzler for dinner. He keeps going on and on about how great their steak is. It's Salisbury? I can't wait to show off my new swag t-shirt at the lake. See ya. See ya, Jess. Thanks, Jess, for that call. And congratulations on meeting Doug down at the Sizzler. And remember to just smile at him a little bit and he will pick up the check for everybody. So, uh, Doug, very gregarious. You're looking at me like, no, you don't think so. How many times, how many times Doug not picked up the check when you've been out? I've never had a meal where Doug is paid. I was going to say, now that I think about it ever, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I've been out with Doug a fair number of times. And, uh, and I wish I was joking. I'm, I'm thinking back to the last time that he paid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a time that you and I went out with him at that place on uh, Woodward Avenue. No, on uh, Telegraph. He didn't pay that time. And I went out with him, yeah, the time after that, he he didn't do it. And I'm thinking about the time I took him to the hockey game. Damn it, he never pays. He he never, he never, ever pays. But uh, just more to your question, family and a cottage. Uh, OG, what do you think about this one? No! No, God, please, no, 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 no. Uh, thank you, Michael Scott. Yeah. But I'm not a fan. This is a terrible idea. This is so bad. Why is it a terrible idea? Because you've done it? Oh, well, uh, we're living it, but it's, it, we haven't done it, but we live it. Listen, the lake house is a great idea. The vacation place, the, the family, mar- like, I love that idea. That's fine. Just go do it on your own. If you can't afford that because you need three other partners, then it's got to wait a little bit or just downsize it or whatever. But when you add different people into the mix, unless they are all filthy rich, there is inevitably going to be an issue with somebody that has something else as a higher priority along the way. And the big issue here, I think, OG, is when you're doing it without them being family members, which to your point, I think is bad enough. It's one thing, but they will feel a little obligation to have to pay you. But family is still going to be family. And I found family members will go back on a commitment a little faster. And Jess's family certainly may be different, right? Might not be the same. I mean, but just think about it. Like what happens when somebody has a medical issue at the same time that the roof needs repaired? Who takes it? Who takes the hit? Right. Like, do you just go, well, Aunt Susie, you know, she's she's not feeling well. So so we'll we'll just, you know, do, do you adjust the percentages of equity in the place? You know, at that like, it's just too squirrely. Hey, Bill, it was your time, your year to pay the property taxes and you didn't. So now there's a penalty. Well, sorry, Johnny needed braces. And, you know, Susan's been out of work. It's like it's just there's too much other stuff that can or or like, hey, we decided we don't want to do this anymore because we're not up there enough because we've got travel soccer every weekend in the summer. So, you know, there's so many different like opportunities for people to have other priorities along the way that keeping that together is very, very difficult. There's a great Wall Street Journal article. It'd be tough to find because it's probably 10 years old now. But uh, but if we can find it, Brooke can find it, put it in the little notes. 
it's all about like the estate planning issues of trying to have a cottage that's owned by more than one person, you know, and we live that now we have, we have my wife's grandfather's place is in Northern Michigan. Thankfully he's healthy and well and everything's great, but he's got three kids and then his three kids have 10 or 12 kids between them. But a few deaths away from now having cousin Louie have to be involved in the decision-making of the cottage, you know, and he's in Germany, so he doesn't care, but is he going to pay for, you know what I mean? It's just, it just gets really, really funky. So I would advise if you want to buy it, buy it on your own, invite people over, make all those memories, have all that time. And if somebody wants to chip in be like, Hey, I was here for a week and you know, here's some money to kind of offset something like, like, take it. That's fine. But I would not do it with family. Yeah, I think there's complications when it comes to her bank question too, OG. I don't know a banker that's going to be excited about giving a portion of a loan to five different families to create one property. They're going to want to give it to one person. Well, I mean, you could have a co-lender, but again, just think about the issues with that, right? Like what happens if the fourth person in the in the transaction has a financial issue? Now, the other four of you are going to have to like pony up extra money. Otherwise you all get a ding on your credit. Like I would never sign up for that. That's too much, too much risk. So maybe if Jess really wants to do this, the key then is to buy it herself or have somebody else buy it and be the owner. And then people, you know, come up with an equitable amount of money to have people come up with, to give to the owner toward the I, I, equity I wouldn't even property. do it that way. I would just be like, Hey, I bought a lake house guys. Come on over if you want, you know, like just don't make it a big deal. The, pr- the problem is, is that probably like overshooting your ability. Like if you've got to get four or five people involved in it, you're probably to use a lake house analogy out in front of your skis a little bit. <laughs> wow. You like that one. Wow. Verbal ninja. Yeah, that's right. So you might have to downsize. Yeah, I have to kind of downgrade. Downgrade really not the way to put that, but you know, change your plans a little bit. Something that's a little bit more affordable that you can afford on your own. I would love to hear. I would love to hear from anybody who's done this and uh, and has done it successfully. Like, how did they do it? Why has it been successful? I would also love to hear from people who tried this and didn't have a great experience. Uh, tell me, give me some stories. I'd love to hear these stories either way. Uh, Joe at stacking com. Yeah. I you. mean, I think you could get by with one family member, but you're still, there, there's still a risk. Yeah. I'm with you. The risk multiplies the more people well, remember that. Uh, well, I don't remember what book that was, but it was talking about communication and how, when there's one person in the room, you've got two lines of communication, right? And when you add a third person in the room, you now have six lines of communication right? It's an exponential increase. And so when you have four, when you have five, you think about like all those different relationships that have to be exactly perfect all the time. Just another possibility for something to go wrong. Otherwise something blows up and there's too many votes. You know, it's like, Hey, I want to redo the kitchen. I don't think we need to redo the kitchen. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. Three of us think we do. Two of us don't. So we're not going to pay. You know, it's like, uh, you're stalled. It's just too crazy. You can't do majority rules because one of those two families says we don't need to do it, just says, I'm not paying. One person says, I'm not paying. It's like a filibuster. Yep. You're done. Yeah, interesting. Uh, thanks for the question, Jess. I'd pass. That's, that's the final verdict. Yeah. 
And I'm not a fan of that answer. I'm sure Jess isn't a fan of that answer, but you see enough things go wrong, which, uh, which we see them every day. That could end up going very badly. But it doesn't mean don't buy the house. I'm with you. Just buy it in a different way. Own it yourself. If you've got a question like Jess had, head to stackybedjamins.com slash voicemail, and you too can uh, have OG shoot down your dream. Hey. I can't help if I see the second and third order effects. One thing we always do, and uh, just for being brave and uh, calling in, we're going to uh, give you a Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt. Collector's item in Kelly Green. Fantastic. I was wearing it in Austin, Texas this last week. Everybody was looking at me. I take that back. Nobody was looking at me. Well, the, uh, the person at the grocery store was looking at me, but that's because it was time to pay the bill. Because you had a gallon of milk and seven cases of beer. I'm going to go camping. Haters going to hate. That's going to do it for today. Hey, got to say a few thank yous. Thank you to everybody who's taken the time to give us a review of this show. If you've had fun here, please help out uh, the show. Please help us out. Makes our job a little easier when people know what they're getting into. Head to wherever you listen to the show, whether it's Apple Podcast, wherever, and leave a review of the podcast. If you send me that you left a review, I'm happy to send you some SB swag. We get books from all the different authors that come on the show, and we'll put your name in a hat of all the responses we get that week, and we will pull one out. And we're going to send a book to Leah this week, Bibliophiles Beware. I don't always listen to this podcast, but when I do, she's doing her, she's doing her uh, what is it, richest man in the world impression? She's doing a richest man in the world impression. Isn't that, or the world's most fascinating guy? What is that? The world's most interesting man. I don't always blank, but when I do, you know, the Dos Equis commercials, you're looking at me like you have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. They changed the dude, but I know. I know. Was it the most, it was the most interesting man in the world. Wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Leah's doing that impression. Five stars, bibliophiles beware. I don't always listen to this podcast, but when I do, I usually get their movie references and buy the book they discuss. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. There is a library, Leah. There's a library. You can get these, these books, but thanks so much for listening and uh, expect a note from Gertrude. Last but not least, if you need to make better financial decisions for the second half of 2021 than you made in the first half, a lot of reports about people starting to uh, break the bank now that we're hopefully running the corner on COVID Maybe you need to make better decisions. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. And that's the link to interface with OG's team of professionals. So if it's time to have a financial planner in the corner, that's your link. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. All right. That's going to do it for today. I'm Joe. He's OG. This is going to be Doug. Doug, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headlines. Chasing municipal bonds. Beware chasing any hot investment. If you don't know why you're buying it, how will you know when or why to sell? Second, take a lesson from Suzanne Lucas. Go talk to your HR team. They're a much bigger resource than people realize. But the big lesson? Turns out we do have an HR person and hashtag bad news, it's Joe's mom. Yep. I learned I violated a number of our policies just on our show today. Like you heard them all. And now I'm stuck cleaning windows again. 
To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Want to attend Suzanne's event next month? For dates, availability, or just to learn more about how you can better leverage your HR team, head over and visit Suzanne Lucas at evilhrlady.org. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2021, and is created by Joe Saul Cihai. Our producer is Karen Rapine. The show is written by Taylor Stevens with help from Joe and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen, check out our show notes page written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. Brooke and Joe also collaborate on a guide to the show and with lots of extras we couldn't include on today's podcast. Heck, they'll also throw in some life money lessons from Joe and it's all free. It's called The Stacker and you'll find it at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Once we get all of this goodness bottled up, it goes over to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart, who helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to talk about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group, The Basement. She also is our social media coordinator, so say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. She and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. For a URL that'll take you right to our Facebook group, by the way, type stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, reminding you that cupcakes, yeah, they're just muffins that believed in miracles. So anything is possible. You are about to get in the car and uh, drive a number of hours with a family of five. That's always a good time. Let me leave. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Do you sing a hundred bottles of beer on the wall? You remember that song? No. Do people do that? Is My that kids a sit no. on their iPads and I just listen to the radio. They got the screens going. Mm-hmm. What do you listen to on the radio for fourteen hours driving? Nonstop Dave Matthew Band. That's it for fourteen hours. It's what I listen to when I fly, actually. And everybody who flies with me is like, oh, cool. Good. Dave Matthews. Awesome. They totally ridicule me the entire time. Why? Why, just, why do you ridicule Dave Matthews? I don't know. Because it's the only thing that's on. Like, that's the only XM station that I listen to. I do the old time radio shows when I drive. Half an hour long. And what's cool is, is every once in a while, there's one that I don't like. Because I've listened to them a bunch. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to listen to whatever this thing is. I usually download a few podcasts, especially some long ones like Tim Ferriss one or something like that. That's like a long two and a half hour one. And then you get done. You're like, it's time for lunch. You know what you would love that I've listened to and Cheryl's hooked on now. Hardcore history. Have you listened to hardcore history?
Uh, I don't know. Maybe. You would absolutely love it because nobody gets into history like this guy. And the story that uh, he told at podcast movement conference a couple of years ago when he was on the main stage, because he is one of the, he's one of the biggest uh, indie podcast of all time. In fact, until just recently, he held Libsyn's record for the most downloaded podcast. I think somebody else passed him, but hardcore history, he, he gets so into it and he tells you like the kind of second domino stuff. He's like, I know that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, but here's why that happens. Here's what was going on in Japan at the time. There was this thing and these people and this guy and this whatever, da, 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 da. And then he gets, and I find myself leaning forward as I'm listening because he's so damned excited about the history of the moment. In fact, I did the Peloponnesian. I'll, I'll turn William onto that because William is a huge history fan. Oh yeah, he is. Even the Peloponnesian Wars ones. Um, which I'm like, Peloponnesian Wars, what's that? Oh my goodness, some great You're stuff. such a flexing, it's ridiculous just Bam. to say the word. Peloponnesian. Peloponnesian. Yes. Yeah. Pelop bam All right, but uh, but yeah, I do want to go. So okay. uh, you want to you want to chat a little longer? Here's here's something else we could do. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.